everybody. It's so good to bring the word again today. I hope we're having an amazing service so far that you've been blessed and touched by every part. And we have just launched into a brand new series. We started last week called Gear Up. Come on, post in the chat, Gear Up. We're gearing up in the armor of God. That's where we're at. That's what we're learning about. And we need to know it because it's so vital for this crazy world that we live in, the crazy times that we live in right now. We need that full gear up, that full armor of God to stand against what the enemy has for us. But we're going to continue. And now we start getting into it. Come on, we started with the foundation, but now we're going through the pieces of the armor of God. And so today we're launching into the first two pieces. And so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read together, then we're going to jump in. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 holds the first two pieces of the armor of God. It says this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And so to set the scene a little bit, we've got to think about what was Paul envisioning when he spoke about these two things, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness? And uh, Paul was writing to the Ephesian church. Now, the Ephesian church had some Jewish people in it, but it was also a Gentile-based church. So there was Romans and Greeks, and there were people who were not Jewish. And so when he was speaking to them, he was helping them think about what they would imagine a soldier looked like in their time. And so you can imagine what a Roman soldier looked like at the time. It's something that people would see everywhere, all throughout the streets, especially in Jerusalem and in Israel. They were under Roman occupation. And so there was Romans all over the place, including Roman soldiers. And so people got this imagery really well. And for us to understand it, you can imagine a Roman soldier would have a big breastplate that went across the front. It would also go around the back as well for full protection. Sometimes it was plate armor, like plates of steel that were on top of each other. Sometimes it was more like scale armor, where there were little scale armor pieces that were all laced together. And this would go over the front of, of your chest and the belt would go around that. That belt would hold a long sword called a gladius on the left-hand side and sometimes a, a dagger on the right-hand side. There would be um, a big kind of helmet on top, a massive shield, a spear, as well as some thick laced up boots. This is what a soldier looked like. And this is what Paul envisioned when he was speaking this out to the people in Ephesus. And so you can imagine he's talking about a big breastplate. He's talking about big shoulder pads. He's talking about steel. And he's talking about a big solid belt that holds up a sword wrapping around this breastplate as he is explaining it. And so this is the imagery I want you to have in your mind as we open up today, as we dig into what it is and how we can wear it. But as we do that, let's pray together first. Let's invite God in. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now that as we jump in to these pieces of the armor of how they impact us and how we can wear them and stand firm in them, I pray you open our minds, open up our hearts so that we can know who you are and who you are in us. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. All right. And so check this out. We've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. And how many of you know that honesty and integrity as a Christian is so vital? Come on, to live an honest and integrous life. We are called to mimic Christ, to shine Christ's glory and his brilliance and his love and his light to a lost and broken world out there. And if we are not honest people, integrous people, we're shining something other than Christ. And my favorite way to kind of imagine this idea of truth and honesty and integrity is to think about kids. Because adults are just big kids. And you know that kids lie. <laughs> if you're a parent, type amen in the chat. You know your kids lie from time to time. One of the funniest ones that I know of, and uh, so interesting, it's a, it's a social experiment, right, where they bring kids and they're trying to deal with the idea of instant gratification or pr prolonged gratification. You might know about this experiment where you, you can do it with your kids, where you sit them down and you put one sweet in front of them. Let's call it a marshmallow. You put a marshmallow in front of them. And you say, okay, I'm going to go away for 10 minutes. If you leave that marshmallow where it is and you don't eat it, I'm going to give you an, a whole bag of marshmallows. and You can eat all of them. But if you eat this one marshmallow that's in front of you now, then you're not going to get anything. So I'm going to go away now and you make the choice. And they leave these kids and they film them. And just to watch these kids looking at this sweet that they cannot eat and the dilemma that they go through. And it's fun. You end up with one of three reactions. Some of those kids, they have will of steel. It's amazing. And they just kind of like, yeah, cool. I'm going to sit and wait. And they wait out those 10 minutes. Some of them even longer than that. They just sit there and they're like, nope, I don't need this thing right now. I'd rather have all the marshmallows later. Great. Then you also get... Uh, the second response, which is the kids who want it right now, they don't care about what comes later, and they just smash that thing. They just write in, as soon as the parent or the person is out the room, they just take that thing down. They could care less about what's coming later. They want it now. And you get a third kid. This is the funniest one. The third response to this is the kid that tries to eat part of the marshmallow but hide it in a way that makes it look like the marshmallow is still whole and all there. And so you'll see them, they'll like lick a little bit of it or they'll try and eat a little bit out the middle and then put it back there and eat just a part of it and try and hide that so that when the person comes back, they'll both get the gratification now and the reward to come. Kids are amazing. I don't know which kid you would be. I think, I, to be honest, I, I would like to think I'm that first kid that just kind of sits and is like, no, it's fine. I'll wait for the bigger reward later. But I'm probably kid number three. I'm probably kid that, the kid that would eat like part of it and try and hide it and try and get the reward anyway. I don't know who you are. Maybe you can just post in the chat quickly. Are you kid one, two, or three? Like, are you the one who just smashes it right then and there? Or which kid do you think you are? Honesty and integrity is something that we deal with from a young age. Babies and little kids learn how to manipulate their parents, and we take that all through our lives. We know how to manipulate people. We know how to lie. We know how to get our way, especially when it's something dangerous towards us. We know exactly how to get out of trouble through lying. But check this out. You know that this idea of honesty and integrity is not really what this scripture is talking about. It's, it's, it's not really that. 
To put on the belt of truth is not to always tell the truth. It's also not to not lie. That's not what putting the belt of truth on really is. This scripture is actually dealing with the abstract idea of the truth, capital T, the truth. What is truth itself? That's what this scripture is really dealing with. And so when we talk about putting on the belt of truth, oftentimes we think about, okay, well, I've got to live an honest life. And as I'm living an integrous and honest life, then I'm putting on the belt of truth. And it's not that that's wrong. I just think that that's not enough. It's not deep enough. That's not really what Paul was getting at. And one thing that I want you to see about this specific scripture is that you cannot remove righteousness from truth. There is a reason why Paul puts these two into one sentence, right? The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. They're inseparable. In fact, you cannot know what real righteousness is without truth. And you cannot know what truth is without righteousness. And so right now, Paul is actually trying to engage us with this philosophical idea. And it might seem like a big thing, but it's not as big as you think. This philosophical idea of what is the truth. And this is huge in our world because we do not live in a world that really talks about the truth. We live in a world that talks about my truth. And that is a huge distinction. Where did this idea come from? I mean, imagine that. This idea that the truth is not the truth. My truth, my personal truth, is true for me. Therefore, it makes it true. I mean, this is a counterintuitive idea. But I'll tell you what the reason is why this whole idea is such a big deal in our society. is because of perspective. Check. We have one perspective here. We have a second perspective here. We have a third perspective here. One thing going on, three viewpoints. And we can understand this. If you look at a situation where um, perhaps there's kids playing soccer and one of those kids kicks the ball and it hits another kid, the, the kid who got hit by the soccer ball will think, well, you know, man, you, you purposefully did that. You kicked that thing at me on purpose to hurt me. But the kid who kicked it might say, no, I, I wasn't trying to hurt you. I was just trying to score a goal, but you were in the way. So you, it's just, it happened. I didn't mean to. The one kid saying, you meant to hurt me. The other kid saying, definitely, I did not mean to hurt you. There's even a third perspective of other kids or spectators watching to say, well, uh, I don't know. It seemed like he kicked it that way on purpose. Or maybe it seemed like, well, he, he didn't. And we end up with all these perspectives. And it's true. And in fact, it's actually right. The truth, the truth of any situation is really difficult to come around because our viewpoints are subjective. They're subjective. And in order to understand what the truth is, you need to have multiple perspectives speak to you. And in that kind of different perspectives, understanding all of it, then you can find out what the truth really is. And our world is guilty of not doing this, man. We take our own thoughts, our subjective thoughts, and we place it on everyone else. We place it on situations. We take our sub subjective kind of influenced spaces and we put them on and we say, no, this is my truth. How dangerous is that? When we refuse to even take on board someone else's perspective and just 
think of our own perspective, that's so dangerous. It's so, so dangerous. But check it out. We in the church are so guilty of this. Come on. It's time to get challenged. We're gearing up, right? We're gearing up in God's armor. We need to be challenged sometimes, right? And I want to challenge the church today. We are so guilty of living in echo chambers that only talk about our perspective and we don't listen to anyone else's perspective. Man, we won't even listen to preachers who talk about something that's slightly different to the way we view the Bible. This, this is the worst form of my truth that I can even imagine. And that might be touching you right now. You might be saying, well, pastor, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that if we are going to truly understand and empathize with others, we need to listen to what their perspectives are, even when it challenges our perspective. In fact, it's most important that when our viewpoint is challenged, that we actually listen to what that person has to say before we make a judgment call. If we don't do that, we are just as guilty as anyone else of living out my truth instead of the truth. That's super important. And I want to challenge us as a church. If we're going to impact this world, what are we called to do as a church? To make disciples, to go out and make disciples. Let me tell you, if we are not prepared to empathize with other people, with a generation, I mean, we're into generation alpha. It's not even generation, it's not even Gen Z anymore. We've moved past millennials and Gen Y and X and whatever, and through Gen Z, we're now into Gen Alpha. And we're struggling to connect. The church truly, all around the world, is struggling to connect with this world that is so, so different. If we're going to take these age-old, unchanging truths of Christ and of God and bring them to a new generation, we first need to listen before we speak. We need to hear the perspectives of people who are living out their truth so that we can actually approach them with life, with understanding, and bring them a Christ who gets who they are. We are so quick to talk. We are so quick to judge but we actually need to listen a whole lot more or we will be just as guilty of living out our truth, my truth, instead of listening to what other people have to say. It's a challenge to us. It's a challenge to the church. And so then the question then becomes, what is truth? What is the truth? A better way of reading the scripture that we just read is actually stand firm then, with the belt of the person of truth buckled around your waist. Okay, that word truth in the original Greek is actually the word aletheia, aletheia. And it means the personification of truth. Truth in person. It's as if a person comes to you who is truth and says, I am truth. And so the right question to ask is not what is truth, but who is truth. In John chapter one, there is this beautiful kind of unpacking of who Christ is. It talks about him being the word, being with God and coming down and dwelling amongst his people. And it says that even though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. Just think about that for a second. Even though Christ created the world and everyone in it, the world and everyone in it didn't recognize him when he came. Unbelievable. 
but it tracks through these ideas of who Christ is, what he does for us. And then it says this from verse 16 and 17. John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says this. Out of his fullness, out of Christ's fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, aletheia, came through Jesus Christ. Christ is the personification of truth. He brings truth with him. He is truth. Grace and the personification of truth came through Christ. And it's so important because John here is contrasting the law, right? The law, which is the whole Old Testament, the whole Old Covenant based in law, right? Do this and you'll be blessed. Do that and you will be cursed. That's the law of Moses, and it's huge, and it impacted the whole Jewish nation. It's how they lived. It's everything they knew, and it had glory. It was beautiful in its own right. It was perfect in its own right, but Paul helps us understand that the law was never there to bring life. It was there to show us that we needed a savior, and so John contrasts this idea that this former glory, this former grace, which is the law, it came through Moses, but something new came through Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Jesus is truth. And to put on the belt of truth is to put on Jesus. Come on, we said this last week, our foundation is Jesus. And we said also that the entire armor of God is actually centered on the person of Jesus. It's not centered on us. We are not the soldiers. We put it on. Yeah, we put on the armor. But the armor is not centered on us. It's centered on the person of Jesus. The belt of the personification of truth is in fact the belt of Jesus Christ, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Not your truth, not my truth, not the world's truth, the truth, which is Jesus. And you know, the world cannot know this truth. It says that even though the world was made through Christ, the world did not recognize him. The world out there cannot recognize Christ on their own. It's not able to. In fact, the word goes as far as to say that God blinds the eyes of those who turn away from him. The world cannot perceive this truth. This is where my truth comes from because we're trying to find what is meaningful to us, what really means something to us, what is our experience, what is our truth, what have we experienced in this world. But without Christ, that story has no real real perspective. It's just one perspective, our perspective. And so what is the truth that Christ came to bring, right? If Christ is the truth, the law was, was the former glory, and now grace and truth are the current and greater glory, what is that truth? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Check this out. God made Jesus, the one who was sinless, he made him become sin, not just have sin, become sin, so that you and I 
who are sinful might not have the righteousness of God, but become the righteousness of God. As a Christian, you now need to choose to live in either your truth or the truth of Christ. The truth of Christ is that his righteousness is yours. This is why grace, truth, and righteousness, they cannot be separated. Because to know true righteousness is to know the truth of Christ, who he says you are, what he did for you, the price he paid for you. That's where righteousness comes from, that we do not have righteousness through our works, through our ability. In fact, we are the righteousness of God, but not by ourselves, in Christ, in him. And you get to choose now. You can either live your truth, your Christianity, or you can live the truth of Christ. The reality is your truth is influenced by your experience. In fact, you see all the reasons why you are not righteous, why you are not justified, why you are not justifiable. You know every sin you've committed. You know every wrong thing you do, every wrong thought. You know everything that you've done that's dishonest, that's not truthful, that's not righteous. And so your viewpoint, your truth is influenced by the facts. Come on, some of these are facts. It's factual that we miss the mark. Time and time again, we miss the mark. And as we miss the mark, those facts start to influence what we think is truth. We know all our failures. We know all the bad, all the sin. But Christ came. He didn't come to bring the law down on you. That's what came through Moses. But truth, grace and truth came through Christ. And that means despite your failures, despite your brokenness, despite your sin, despite all the things that disqualify you, he came for you and he pours his love out on you. And so my last question as we are wrapping up this idea is why lump the breastplate in with this, right? So we're talking about the truth, this big truth that Christ is our righteousness, that Christ is our ability, that it's no longer based on us, that it's no longer based on our ability to perform and do what we need to do. It's based on Christ. Why is the breastplate lumped in with that? And I'll tell you why. The breastplate protects the heart. It protects the core of who you are. It protects your identity. And in a world where your identity is completely fluid, right? Everything in this world has now become fluid, right? Whether that's your gender, your sexuality, your thoughts, your feelings. Everything that you are is based off how you feel. Whatever you place your heart is in at that moment. In that kind of world where everything is fluid, we need to protect our identity, protect our hearts, the breastplate protects all of you. And if the enemy can get you to believe a different truth in your core, in your heart, he can take your heart out and you will never achieve what God has made you to 
achieve. Come on. That's why truth and righteousness are linked. Because if you feel like you're not good enough for God, if you feel like you are disqualified, unrighteous, that you can't receive the blessings of God because of who you are and what you've done, if that's what the enemy can get you to believe, you will never step into who God has truly made you to be. If you feel like your sickness is a result of your sin or your brokenness, your financial lack, or wherever you might be at, is as a result of your performance, you will stay there. The only way out of that is through the truth of Christ. So here's the lie. Come on, track with me, church. Here's the lie. God's blessing is based on your performance. That's the lie. Yeah, it's true. You are not good enough for God. Neither am I. We have done so much to fail him, and we will do that. But here's the other perspective. Here is the truth, that Christ died so that his performance is enough to account to you for righteousness. This is huge. Because the enemy's darts are firing in at your breastplate. And check it out. The breastplate is the last line of defense. You have a shield. You have a sword. You have these items that you can defend yourself with. But when the attack gets through every other mode of defense, the breastplate is the last line of defense. And it says, I will protect your heart. God's trying to talk into your identity today. The belt of truth the truth of who Christ is and the righteousness that comes from him. He who had knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. That truth is the truth, the truth of the gospel of grace. It's who you are and it's who I am. And we get to choose today. Are we gonna believe my truth that's influenced by my failures, by the words of the enemy, by the words of other people, or are we going to believe the truth of Christ? That's what this is all about. And come on, we got to gear up because the enemy's coming. He's coming hard and he knows everything that you've done. He knows all the ways that he can push your buttons and say that you're not good enough, that you shouldn't stand up, that you shouldn't take the risk, that you shouldn't try that, that you shouldn't. He knows all the ways to tell you that. But God wants to tell you today, he made you for a purpose. He made you for a reason. And he is never going to let you fall. This is what the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness are. Every day we put righteousness on. We remind ourselves despite what's going on in our lives, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My job is not to achieve righteousness, find it or purchase it somewhere. My job is to be in Christ to gird myself, to wrap myself up in Christ and his sacrifice for me. The lie is God's blessing is based on your performance. No, God's blessing is based on Christ's performance on your behalf. And we need to receive it today. Today I'm talking to someone who has struggled with their identity. And I'm here to tell you today, that no matter where the attack on your identity is coming from, your identity is secure in Christ. Today, if you want to have that relationship, you want to step into 
who Christ is and who you are in him. And I'd love to pray a prayer with you. It's a prayer that connects your heart to God, restores a relationship with him. And I wanna encourage you that if you prayed this prayer, it's not about living perfect or being a perfect person. It's in fact about knowing a perfect God. He sacrificed himself for you that you might have life. This is the truth that he wants you to know. And so today, if you want that, then I wanna pray a prayer with you. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I give you my heart, all my failures, all my victories, I place in your hands. Take my heart, take my life, and give me a brand new identity, an identity in you. Forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you today. Amen.